Welcome, everybody, to The Next Level. My name is Brian Daniels, and I am joined by my co-host, Josh Thundershaver. And we got Bryce Schumacher over here as well. You guys are no stranger to him by now. And uh, if you're wondering who the gentleman uh, down here is, he is an industry legend. We're talking toys and video games and even uh, educational toys as well. We got Tom Kalinske, the former CEO of Sega of America, as well as Mattel, and also worked with LeapFrog as well. Tom, it's a pleasure to have you here with us, man. How are you doing today all the way out well, there in well, California? Well, thank you. I'm, I'm really happy to be with you and do this with you. Yeah, well, we're very happy Far to away, have yeah. you. Yeah, man, we're very happy to have you here as well, and uh, we definitely appreciate you taking the time, as always. So, uh, man, we got a lot to cover here, so we're just going to dive right into the meat and potatoes of it. So, of course, um, a lot of people know, I I remember when I first reached out to you in 2020, you you were a part of this movie called Console Wars, right? (laughs) That uh, That was filmed by Seth Rogen. And or done by Seth Rogen, and uh, he there actually is a book about the whole deal with you and and oh, there it is, uh, yeah, there it is the the console wars book, is. and it's an excellent book. You got to go, you got to go pick this up. And uh, so let's just get right into it, Tom. What was this like for you? Because I know beforehand you had worked at you had done stuff with Mattel, so you were really into the toy industry. Which don't worry, we're gonna get there. Um, how did you go from toys to video games, man? That's, I mean, you know, we're talking two different, entirely different industries. How did you go from toys to, to video well, games? Well, remember at Mattel, we also did in television. That's right, you did, and, yes. And it, it, you know, it was modestly successful when Atari was successful, and then they both crashed and burned and, and went down. Yeah. But I knew a little bit about video games from that experience. Uh, even though actually it's kind of funny that division didn't work for me. I, I was I was considered the president of the toy division, and that was a separate division. And Mattel at the time had all these different divisions: Ringling Brothers, Barnum Bailey Circus, Metaframe, <laughs> Turco Tubular Steel, yeah. uh, a Pet Supply Company, Optagon Oregon, Audio Magnetics, which is an audio tape manufacturer. All these things, yeah. and that was because the board of directors thought that the toy industry was too risky. And so they wanted to invest in all these other entities. And they all went to hell the same year, except for the toy division, which I was president of. So I got ended up getting promoted to uh, to CEO and had to straighten this mess out nice. or try to anyway. And uh, and pretty much did, I guess, or I didn't do it, but lots of the people that were around me did. Mm-hmm. And, uh, you know, we sold everything off. I mean, it was, it was like a real... Uh, what do you call it? A garbage sale. I mean, every the prices were very low for all these entities. But anyway, got okay. it done. Uh, and so I knew a little bit about the toy industry. And I left shortly thereafter. And I, I a friend of mine and I bought Matchbox toys out of receivership in the UK. Mm-hmm. A guy named David Ye, who ran Universal Manufacturing. He manufactured for Mattel. He manufactured for Hasbro. He manufactured for everybody. Great guy. Mm-hmm. And um, we bought it out of bankruptcy receivership in the UK. Uh, I had tried to buy it when I was at Mattel, but the receiver said, well, okay, we'll sell it to you, but you got to keep a, a manufacturing plant open in England. I said, well, that's not going to work because I can manufacture Hot Wheels cars in Hong Kong for 30 cents and you're manufacturing mm-hmm. Matchbox cars here in England for 55 cents. And so it's not going to work. Right. And yeah. Yeah. Anyway, so I turned it down and David, yay, managed to put the deal together 
and he and he had me in as as his CEO. Yeah. And about a week after we had uh, completed the sale, he, I I said, well, what are we going to do about this plant in Enfield, England? And he said, you got to close it. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Yeah. So yeah. so I did. Anyway, but uh, that was a great run. We took it public on the New York Exchange. We sold it yeah. to Tyco Industries. Uh, and then out of there, I, I was hired by uh, uh, Sega. Yeah. And uh, and and that w- that went pretty well. You know, I mean, that was a that was a great fun, fun run for me. And and uh, taking on Nintendo at 98% sure of market. <laughs> yeah, the Wall Street analyst said, you're out of your mind. Why yeah. are you doing this? And I said, well, yeah, I what you guys, yeah, what you did with Sega was just insane. I mean, mm-hmm. you know, you're, you're all of us, our childhood is, is partially thanks to you, of course. Absolutely. Of what you did and you, you challenged the, the beast at the time, which was Nintendo. I mean, they were a very dominating uh, market in the video game market, of course. I mean, after you had mentioned the crash and everything, and with what happened, you know, it, with with all the ETs going to a landfill, apparently, it and did. all that, you and know, it separated. And, you know, I remember yeah. when Sega and Nintendo were hot. Like, remember on the playgrounds at school, people were talking about what's what's the better system, and you know, I, they'd ask me what I thought, and I just like I like them both, you know. But it definitely split, bruises. Uh, it definitely split people up a little bit, you know. Like, mm-hmm. are you Sega or Nintendo? You know, there's no <laughs> in between. There's definitely like Absolutely. that console war thing going on. Yeah, there. The, yeah, yeah you, it, it did. Yeah. I know. I mean, the the author of Console Wars was actually Blake Harris, and he talks yeah. about how his he yeah. and his brother you know fought over one was a Nintendo guy and the other one became a Sega guy, and they used to fight over it. You know? <laughs> yeah. Oh yeah, it's pretty vicious. Yeah, you know, I want to, I want to ask you something because I know back then you, you see how you the industry right now, we're still having a console war. You have Sony yes. and you have and you yeah. have Microsoft, right? However, the business that now is everybody's nice to each other, right? You have Phil Spencer, <laughs> you know, is like telling Sony, "Oh, good job." Like, is is that something that you would ever have thought you would see? Because, like, I know you and uh, the Howard Lincoln did not play nice (laughs) at all. Well, you know, it was different. I mean, Howard and I and Peter Main, his head of marketing, and I, we didn't get along. We just didn't get along very well at all. And and when we started gaining share of market on them and speaking at different conferences, they just denied that we were having any impact on their business at all. Of course. Right. Yeah. <laughs> that used to annoy me. And I think I, I think we almost got in a fist fight in an elevator once in New oh. York. <laughs> Another bad thing in, in, in New York. Yeah. But anyway, uh, it was pretty vicious. And we used to do commercials, of course, that made fun of Nintendo and positioned yes. them as the little kids system. Yes. We were the system for teens and college age and older. And we did more sports mm. titles and strategy games oh. and role playing games. And frankly, some more fi- fighting games, more violent games like Streets of Rage. And, and of course, yes. uh, they always at Nintendo, that. they'd say, oh, we'd never do that stuff. And, <laughs> and then there was, and I, I felt that we needed to have a different uh, industry association because the, the, the software publisher association cared about uh, uh, Microsoft and Oracle and those kind of guys, but they didn't really care about the video game area. And so we uh, we started the Interactive Digital Software Association and our own rating. And the rating was actually, I had created a rating 
with a guy named Dr. Arthur Pover for just Sega a year or so before that, because again, I wanted to go after older age and I felt we should be like yeah. Disney, you know, we can have G product, we'd have PG product, PG 13 and R rated product. And so we needed a rating system And Arthur Pover, a PhD from New York university who had been involved in doing a, a safety thing for the toy industry. So there's another connection back. Yeah. Uh, he developed it for us and initially, uh, and then we got the IDSA to to take it on, but Nintendo didn't want to have anything to do with it. They said, oh, yeah. oh we don't need it. We only do G-rated product. Those bad yeah. guys at Sega, they're doing all this yeah. R-rated stuff. And You know, <laughs> <laughs> you know it's funny because you guys were just the, uh, you were like the rebellious teenager, like uh, uh, gaming company. You had, Love everything it. had that attitude. Even like Sonic the Hedgehog, when he just when you just have him standing there, he's just like this tapping his foot, you know. And you're just like, he's like, "Come on, man, I'm I'm ready. Let's go. I got all day." Like there was Texas watch everything but, about your brand then when you were the when you were the head of Sega was very like edgy. we are here to dominate. Yeah, willing market. to take risks. I mean, yeah, yeah like with mm-hmm. new, new peripherals. Well, you you describe yeah. Sonic's personality very well. That's how we used to talk about it. Yeah, he's like yeah. that that teenager next door who gets in a lot of trouble has kind of an attitude, but at the end he'll always do the right thing. And so that was how we talked about, about Sonic the Hedgehog's personality and his tapping of the toe and very impatient. And yeah. Nice. Yeah. 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 It was just, I remember like the, uh, the one, the marketing thing you guys said was uh, Sega does what Nintendo don't. Do you guys remember that? I, I, I loved, I loved, I loved those ads uh, when I was younger. And it was like, you felt cooler when you had a Sega. I don't know. I mean, not that that, like Nintendo was bad, but like, you felt like, oh, you got a Sega. That's what's up. Like you felt like cool, you know, like it was like you were, you were hip. That's what they used to say back in the day. Right. Like like, our our, our advertising was really good. Goodby Silverstein was really good. And Howard Lincoln hated our advertising. He used to send me, he'd either (laughs) call me or send me notes. I'm going to sue you. You got to stop this. And, <laughs> and once we did this commercial, I don't know why he had this one so much, but we did a commercial on Game Gear um, with okay. my Airedale dog. And uh, we showed the Airedale dog drinking out, out of the toilet as he was wont to do yeah. and saying, well, if you don't mind playing games in just black and white, you're probably okay with Game Boy. But if you want to play in color, and with better sound, you better get a Game Gear. Well, Howard just hated that commercial. Yes, <laughs> I remember yeah, you it. Guys, though. You guys, the marketing campaign was very in your face, and you did not pull punches. And no. I just want to say, good for you, man. Like, because the thing is, like, I feel like now the marketing is not like that. Like, people, you know, everybody wants to be nice, and they want everybody's you know, so civil now. Everybody's very. <laughs> I miss '90s advertising. I do, I do, I do too. I do too. And and I gotta know something, Tom. What are your what are your thoughts on like the on the on the industry now as it stands? I mean, you're seeing these people. I because I know people. I'm 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 very much against the toxic fanboyism in the video game industry. I know a lot of people. Uh, we we grew up with that. A lot of us did. We grew up with. It wasn't necessarily. Like, I don't think it was very toxic. It was just like. We all still played the, the 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 same consoles, and we were yeah. trading games and things like that. But now it's kind of like gotten to the point where like people are like just outright like verbally assaulting other people or attacking other people because of the games they play. And mm-hmm. I just I don't know. Do you ever see that or notice that when you're online at all? 
I don't really, I'm a little bit out of it, I guess. Yeah. Uh, but when you ask about the industry, I got to tell you, I'm really proud of what the industry has become. You know, I mean, when I left, I mean, we started going after teens and college age guys and what have you. Yeah. And the industry was like three and a half billion dollars or something when I left it. Today, it's like 240 billion. It's yeah, twice man. the size of the movie and music industries combined. It yeah. is the form yeah. of entertainment for at least the United States that everybody loves. So I'm really, I'm really proud of what we started. I yeah. didn't have a lot to Me do too. with the last 15 years. No, <laughs> I'm really proud of what we started. And you laid the foundation for sure. I hope so. Mm -hmm. yeah. You did. And I mean, the thing is like, I remember, you know, it's so funny, Tom, because like everything that people made, made fun of people for back in the eighties and nineties, you know, whether it's, video games or Dungeons and Dragons or, <laughs> you know, all that kind of stuff. Now everybody's like, oh, that's cool now. Like, and I was like, Dude. I liked it before it got cool. Like, I was right. like, that. Right. It's so funny because now, you know, um, you guys did a lot of things. So like my, my problem with the industry right now is a lot of people don't take risks like they used to. Like you guys yeah. took a mm -hmm. lot of risks. Your, your, whole, your whole brand was built on taking risks. Like what can we do to – to not let Nintendo just flat out, I wouldn't say monopolize the industry, although it kind of felt that way. Because there was other companies out there that were trying to put yeah. stuff out. At the same time. It yeah. wasn't, yeah. I mean, DDI. it wasn't just it wasn't yeah. just you guys, but like you guys really were just like pushing the envelope. And as as uh, as Bryce said, you guys really laid the foundation for video game marketing uh, mm -hmm. in, in the future, really. Well, yeah. and also in product, because, I mean, look yeah. at Mortal Kombat. Yes. What a great example, huh? And when we allowed it to be played like the arcade version with mm -hmm. real red blood, as opposed to green goo. <laughs> yeah. Uh, and the spinal cord, that was the one big one. Yeah. 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 You, guys, right. you guys were and, like, and yeah. Howard really thought he had that, had one over on us on that one. He told me, he said he, he thought we, they were going to kill us on that. Because they were the good nope. guys and we were the bad guys and everybody would understand mm -hmm. that. Didn't turn out that way. Yeah. <laughs> People yeah. like and that, the, yeah. Yeah, and then that was and because of that game, we had the ESRB that came out yes. of that. Right. Mm -hmm. yeah. Then you had the ratings and things and like that. Well, was the draw I, you know, it was, it was basically the same yeah. rating system that we adopted for the whole industry. And he yep. was the last he didn't want to do the rating system. I mean, I got Sony on board who was just doing software then and, and yeah. EA and Activision and Konami and got those guys on board. And finally, yeah. Nintendo said, OK, we'll do it. One of the funny <laughs> parts about that to me is I don't know if you remember when they had the Senate subcommittee hearing and uh, uh, what was that game that we did where it just annoyed everybody. Uh, the, with the oh, Night game. Trap. Night Trap. And Night so. Trap. He yeah, Sega Saturn. Up, he said, yeah. Nintendo yeah. would never do a game like this ever. <laughs> well, guess what? It's out on Switch right now. Yeah, we were actually. <laughs> I've got it on my PlayStation as well. Yeah, I know. We're just, I know. We we're just talking about that because we were talking about some of our favorite like horror video games. I was like, oh, you know, you can play Night Trap on your Switch now. That's kind of ironic, right? <laughs> I just yeah. remember when I was a kid, it was banned, and I had never heard of a video yeah. game being banned. And I was like. <laughs> I, I have to play this game. You know, yeah, man, because when it's back. banned, you want to play it more, right? Yeah, yeah. So, like, yeah. so let's talk about what happened with Sega, because you were there, what, until like 90, was it 96? Something like 96. That? I, I yeah. left in 96 because okay. all of a sudden I wasn't able. I You know, Nakayama promised me I'd make all the decisions when, he, when I agreed to join. Right. And that yeah. was pretty much the way it was until then. 
And then all of a sudden in late 95, it was not the same way anymore. And I was being forced to do things I didn't really agree with. And, uh-huh. and so I, I felt I had to leave and I left in 96. Yeah. I I'm always, I've always wondered like how, how different the landscape would be at Sega had you stayed there past 96 because like of course the console after the Saturn was the Dreamcast and that was their last console they did at that point I personally wish Sega would make a console again I would love to see them come back in some way I know that's really not their thing how did it how did it make you feel though when you found out that Sega was going to partner up with Nintendo how did it make you feel seeing Sonic the Hedgehog on a on a Nintendo game with Mario what was that like I, could, I couldn't believe it and I was at that uh E3 show yeah. and I went over and it was I think Mario Kart and Sonic were the first one playing play. and of course I had to play Sonic and I played against the Nintendo demonstrator and I was very and I'd never played the game before and I was very yeah. pleased that I was able to beat him <laughs> yeah, 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 that's awesome, man. Yeah, I know for for a lot of us it was really weird because you know about you know seeing seeing Sonic in the same area as Mario is just the yeah. weirdest, wildest, uh, wild. Very thing. strange for me, I'll tell you. I just, I, I, I bet, I bet, I couldn't yeah. imagine it. Yeah. yeah. Um, uh, Bryce, you had a question for for Tom uh, about uh, we, Tom and I. We had, we didn't talk about this when we had you on the show on our other show. So what did you want? What did you want to ask him? This is a really good question, but I didn't well, think about this. Well, I know he said he left in '96, so I'm not sure if he had anything to do with uh, Sega Channel when it came out. Oh, of course. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Oh, yeah. I, I can't remember when yeah, it was, was out. Another, but, yeah. but I wasn't comparing that to Game Pass today. Like you saw how Sega Channel, like I played it a lot when I was younger, but then oh, it kind of it got yeah. dissolved and went away and now microsoft has their game pass which is pretty much the same yeah. thing as sega channel just <laughs> higher tech now yeah. it's this huge thing and i just was wondering your thoughts on that and like what how you were able to what, what you had to do with uh sega channel well I, I had a lot to do with it actually i mean i was really for doing this deal with the large cable guys to get it done yeah. and we were first working with time warner and in my office in uh redwood shores one day the phone rings and it's somebody from john malone from tci he's like a big deal okay. and he says i hear you're doing this deal with time warner well you can't do it with just them you got to include us in it i'm sending some people over there to talk to you and like six <laughs> hours later these guys yeah. in <laughs> mafia suits showed up i thought oh my god <laughs> and uh so we had to we included them of course why not i mean hell they were 35 percent of the cable systems across yeah. the united states so it worked yeah. out to my advantage that we'd started with just time warner but um and the guy we had running it for us was a great guy he's just terrific human being unfortunately passed away of cancer but another great guy was my my right arm joe miller head of r d for for sega mm-hmm. and one day he called me up and he said you got to come down here and look at this <laughs> so i go down to the r d floor mm-hmm. and there must have been I'm not exaggerating, 150 different cable boxes around the room. And Joe says, you see what you're making me do? No, what am I making (laughs) you do? He says, every one of those has a different technology, and I've got to make our games work on every one of them. And so it wasn't an easy uh, technical uh, uh, accomplishment. Well, it it was a very hard technical accomplishment, but Joe accomplished it, and it it all worked pretty well. And at one point, we had like 250,000 people. Paying fifteen dollars a month to play video games online. Well, not yeah. online, on cable. 
Yeah. Yeah. I mean, it was such a ahead of its time. Like you pretty much had a cable modem in your Sega Genesis and yeah. before you even got one in your house. Yeah, well, Joe was, was also, well, you know, he and I didn't like, frankly, Saturn architecture. And I, I, what do I know? I'm a marketing and business guy. So I relied on him a lot. Yeah. But even in that time period, this new thing called the internet was coming along. Yeah. And he said, the next system has to have internet connectivity. And of course, Saturn really didn't. And uh, yeah. I mean, there's a lot of stories about that. I was contacted by Jim Davis, who at the time was running. He was chairman of Silicon Graphics before he founded Netscape. And he said, you got to come over here and look at this chipset that one of my key engineers has designed. And Joe and I went over and we loved that chipset because it did have internet. And huh. it had better graphics and better music and lots of things better about it. So we called back to Japan because we weren't supposed to do hardware. We were supposed to do software and marketing. They're, they're doing hardware in Japan. Right. And said, so you got to come over here and look at this. Oh, and by the way, the engineer who designed that cheap set, his name is Jensen Wang. You may have heard of him. He founded NVIDIA. Oh, He's wow. NVIDIA yeah. today. That's cool. That's cool. Okay. Brilliant, brilliant guy. Wow. Anyway, the, the guys from the hardware engineers came over and they said, well, yeah, it's nice. But, you know, in manufacturing, that chip is too big. There'll be too much waste in manufacturing. It'll cost too much, so we can't do it. Mm. And that was kind of the that was kind of the the end for me. Yeah. Uh, that when and also the chairman Nakayama said, "Hey, this upcoming E3 show in June, you got to announce your shipping Saturn now." I oh said, well, wow! But we don't have enough hardware, and we don't have any hardly any software. So <laughs> it doesn't matter. I want to beat Sony to the punch. Got to do it. <laughs> well, that was the end for me. That was absolutely the end because you can. I, I was very close to many of the retailers, and I really pissed a lot of them off by not being able to supply them because they assumed if we were introducing it, there's got to be enough manufacturing capability to do it. Yeah, and absolutely. They, they were wrong, and it it was just a it was not not and good for me at all. I did have I another love. question about um, did when I know Super Nintendo was talking to Sony a little bit about trying to put in a CD drive. Yeah. And what ended up becoming the PlayStation, did Sony ever contact Sega to try to get oh, well, anything that's an, going? That's another story and another nail in the coffin of me staying because <laughs> Olaf Olafson, who was running uh, Sony Entertainment at the time, yeah, uh, he was doing software for us in their, at their studio down in Santa Monica. And um, he and I got along great. And we decided that it's kind of foolish to compete against one another with a hardware system. Let's do one new system, the Sony Sega or the Sega Sony, whatever you want to call it. Mm -hmm. And yeah. we went to Japan together and yeah. we visited uh, Sony first mm -hmm. and the, the head of Sony ideal IDA, I think his name was, he said, yeah, that's a pretty good idea. Cause we only, we're going to lose money on hardware. We're going to make money on software. And I said, yeah, that's right. And I went to Sega and Nakayama-san said, what? Why would we help Sony get in the video game business? We don't need them. Well, that was a mistake. Obviously, I think it was a mistake. <laughs> yeah, yeah. I, I I know you guys did end up having the Sega CD, which of course was was an extension of the you know was was the, yeah, an add-on. Was it yeah. always? Was there ever a point where you guys were like going to revise the Genesis to include an onboard CD without needing? The yeah, there was there was talk about that, and yeah. of course uh, everybody asked me about the Sega CD, and I 
I still will maintain that back in those days, we didn't know how to program on an optical disc. Mm. So we had to learn how to do it. So doing right. anything was better than nothing. And yeah. so that's why we did the uh, the Sega CD plugged into the Genesis, obviously. And and some of the games were pretty good, actually, and, and worked out okay. But it, it was a learning experience. And as I recall, at the time when we launched the Sega CD, we were we at Sega of America were only able to produce three titles. And Sony produced three titles for us as well. So we only had six titles. But mm-hmm. at least it was a, a step in the right direction. What was the uh, what was the inspiration by the 32x? I, I, I we never got on we never had we never talked about that mm-hmm. either before, and I wanted to ask you about that. What was the well, what was the what was the inspiration behind that? The the inspiration was I wanted to keep the Genesis alive longer. Yeah, and and Joe Miller again agreed. He wanted to keep. He actually devised devised the 32x. He wanted to try to keep it available longer. Yeah. So if we could do an attachment that made it more interesting and kept the Genesis alive longer, I felt we could still sell millions more of Genesis before introducing a new system. And as I said earlier, we didn't really like the Saturn to start with. So <laughs> that was that was the uh, the reason for it. It obviously didn't work that well for us, right. but uh, it, the the rationale I think was still yeah. pretty good. Keep the Genesis alive longer. You know, I want to. I'll say that the the '90s in my opinion is like the best decade ever, but that's, that's a little bias on that. But like for me, what I think is a stark contrast between the gaming industry now versus the video game industry of, of then is, is the innovation doesn't seem like it's as much as it was, because I know, I know you remember Tom, like back in the nineties, we had these, there was so many peripherals. There were so many, there was so many different types of controllers and, and then there was the. Do you remember the the, the vest you could wear? Like you take a punch, mm-hmm. like yeah, you feel it yep. and stuff like that. Like, yeah. I remember that. I'm. I, I didn't have one. Right. I wasn't the cool. I wasn't the cool enough to have that. But like, you know, and um, and then that hand seem, thing too. Yeah. Yeah. What, what was anyway, it? Anyway. The oh it, yeah, it there was, was a hand. Uh, you could control games with your hand. The R zone. Yeah. Yeah, I think yeah, is yeah. what that was. It, that. Like you put it yeah. over your eye, and like you could. Yeah, I know, I know. Yeah. That was a that was a, a Tiger Electronics was doing <laughs> a lot of stuff like that. Too. Yeah, lots of Back stuff. Um, I feel like that's something that I miss a whole lot now. I, I I'm not saying I'm not saying like they're not. There's just a whole lot of things that don't don't seem to come out like that like they used to. I mean, now we're talking like virtual reality. Mm-hmm. Of course, is a big thing with VR. Oh yeah. Um, of course, I so, started on virtual yeah. reality and. Uh, you know, that wasn't powerful enough to work with the, or, or the Genesis wasn't powerful enough to make VR work well. And we had this oh, helmet and I was one of the guys who tested it out and I put the damn thing on and God, uh, it made me sick to my stomach and I was falling <laughs> over. I had no balance. And, oh boy, that was tough. Yeah. It wasn't powerful enough. Yeah. Oh, man. I have to ask you, Tom, what's the last video game you've actually played? Well, pro- yeah, this is you're going to hate this answer in my, I'm in <laughs> oh, an no. office above my garage right now. In my, in my, in my basement, I have 220 uh, Sega games. I have a whole bunch of toys, nice. a lot of Barbie stuff down there now for yeah. the Barbie movie. Yeah. We're going to talk about that. Mm-hmm. In a second. Yeah. And the yeah. last, the last game I played was with some of these people. The, uh, London came up, people, a film crew from London came over here to film me about the Barbie movie. Mm-hmm. And yeah. so I played Sonic, 
two with one of those guys just a few days ago. Nice. Awesome. Awesome. That's great, man. Did you do you have a personal favorite Sega game that came out that was not well, like Sonic? That is it. I mean, Sonic I love for you. Sonic 2. Yeah. I really Sonic did. Sonic 2 is amazing. Yeah. Yeah. I have a problem now. I, you probably aren't aware of this, but I've had two strokes. And yeah, so I, I don't see out of this yeah. eye. I don't feel this arm. And I can't yeah. make this hand or foot do what I want them to do. Right. So it's really Ooh. hard to play a video game with one. Hand. Yeah. No. No, I can imagine. I can imagine that. Yeah, I can yeah. press like one button on this finger. <laughs> right, yeah. No, for sure. Um, I want to talk. You mentioned Barbie, and that's gonna and that's yes. great. We'll, we'll get into that. So, of course, before you were the CEO of Sega of America, you were at Mattel. Yes. And let's talk about your time at uh at Mattel. Because um you came in there and a lot of people are say that you're the guy who really rejuvenated Mattel. You brought back, you brought Barbie back to life. Yeah. Um, you came in there and you uh, launched uh, my buddy Josh over here's absolute favorite toy line, Masters of the Universe. He's a he fiend. <laughs> a fiend for him. I have the power. Yeah. Oh, Skeletor. Skeletor yeah. is the That's favorite they, here. Yeah. They, uh, they used to call me <laughs> He Man like when I had hair. Guys. Oh yeah. oh yeah oh yeah but uh what was the state of mattel when you got there and like what was the journey of that yeah i i've told this story before i'll try to make it shorter sure. uh, you know i joined as a product manager on preschool toys mm -hmm. in 1972 yeah. so that was cnc's and jack in the boxes and putt putt wooden rail uh, railroad and and later yeah. uh, tough stuff uh indestructible toys and i you know i built it up to a reasonable business yeah. And the founder of Mattel came into my cubicle on the sixth floor and she liked me. She was like my second mother, Ruth Handler. Yeah, she was a tough little lady. She was five foot tall, but tough as nails, swore like a sailor. And she came into my cubicle and she said, Tom, Barbie sales declined last year. The retailers say it's over for Barbie. My own sales force says it's over for Barbie. The Wall Street analysts say we should go and do something else. What do you think about all that? I said, Ruth, that's the stupidest thing I've ever heard. Barbie will be around long after you and I are gone. And she, she said, that's what I wanted to hear. I'm going to talk to your boss about getting you on the Barbie business. And, and before she left my cubicle, I said, well, Ruth, to you, what makes Barbie so special? And she said, Tom, with Barbie, a girl can imagine being anything she wants to be. I use those words yeah. on every package, in every advertising, in all PR for the next 15 years. Yeah, and then I did a whole bunch of other things. I know I won't get it all, but but I yeah. I'm the guy who did the pink packaging. Yeah, believe nice. it or not, back in those days in 1973, when sales had fallen from 100 million to 42 million for Barbie, sometimes Barbie was in a red package, Ken was in an orange package, the accessories were in a green package, the the Barbie camper was in a yellow package. Everything was a mess at retail. Yeah. and I said, the hell with this. Everything's going to be pink. And my the boss, the the president of Mattel at the time, said, "Even Ken?" And I said, "Yeah, even Ken." Yeah. <laughs> and so, even Ken. and so that's what we did, and that established the twenty four feet of pink at Walmart yeah. and Toys R Us. Mm -hmm. Oh yeah, it's synonymous with it. All those yeah. all those places. But then I did a lot of other stuff. I segmented the market in every which way known to man. I did yeah. low price dolls, high price dolls, action dolls, hair play dolls, occupations, astronaut Barbie, Doctor Barbie. Teacher Barbie, Olympic Barbie, you name wow. it, and then and then did a big dream house, the big dream house. Why? Well, mm -hmm. if you have a house, 
You have to have more than one Barbie in it. You got to have. <laughs> well, they got to have a place to live. They got to live somewhere. And you got to have right? furniture in it. Yeah. In yeah. a car out front in the garage. So all of that helped propel the business, and it it literally doubled overnight, and then it doubled again, and wow. and pretty soon it was five hundred fifty million. And then I hired uh, Joe Barad out of the cosmetics business, who really understood segmenting a market. Yeah. And she took it from five hundred fifty million to one billion. So I always tease her, my percentage increases were bigger. Yeah. <laughs> but, but she was very, that was a smart move on my part, I must say. Yeah, hiring no, her. Indeed. That's, yeah, what you, what, you've, what you did was when you took that brand, because you, know, you, you added the pink and you, you made the uniformity with all the products, which is very important, obviously. Mm-hmm. Not only that, but I mean, you really re sparked a brand that women and girls out, all over the world yeah. are, you know, really we can uh, relate to you know what i mean well i think it's just amazing that it was the most successful movie of the year so far yes. a million and a half yeah in box office and i've i don't know if this is true or not but i heard that from the movie alone it added like 125 million to mattel's bottom line that doesn't include sales of barbie dolls or accessories or anything else that's from profit from whatever percentage of the movie they got so that's kind of interesting and then, uh, and then, of course, the other thing that I'm really proud of is I, I kind of did the same thing with Hot Wheels with Big Garage and yeah. you know, segmented that market. Mm-hmm. And then launching He-Man Masters of the Universe was a big deal. Uh, Thank you. You can probably tell Thank he you. was sculpted after me. <laughs> well, and those are, those are all brands that are still so popular today. And, and it's amazing to me that mm-hmm. you've been able to kind of keep your ear to the ground and, and really – make the good decisions and like understand what people want to play with. I was wondering what, what was it that inspired you or what, is there something that you think back on when you were a kid or something that kind of pushed you in that direction or that kind of, when you realize like, this is what I want to do. Well, I, I always liked uh, children's products. I mean, I started my career working Mm -hmm. on Flintstones vitamins, which I think is still the number one children's vitamin. Mm -hmm. And And, and then I, I, I like the idea of little girls being able to imagine being anything they wanted to be in the 70s. That was just unheard yeah. of. You know, yeah. Today, of course, it's normal. Um, and then doing He-Man, I like good versus evil. And I liked mm-hmm. having a group of good guys to fight against the bad guys. Mm-hmm. And remember, our competitor Hasbro had G.I. Joe and uh, Star Wars and a few other things. Mm-hmm. So we needed a male action line that could could take them on. Mm-hmm. And and He Man Masters of the became that line, and then I did the TV show, which everybody thought was a little nuts, uh, <laughs> because I don't know if you know the details of it. So we put up three and a half million at Mattel, uh-huh. and um, Group W uh, Westinghouse put up three and a half million, and they owned syndic they owned stations across the country, independent station TV stations. Yeah, and we gave the show to them for free. No one ever did that before. Everybody used to sell the show and get money back. We oh, gave wow. it away free. And in return, we got, I think it was three time commercial slots in the show, in every market in the country that it was on. Well, we couldn't use those according to the advertising review guidelines for E-Man and Masters, but we could uh-huh. use it for he, for Hot Wheels or even Barbie or or sell them to mcdonald's or mm-hmm. or the cereal guys or the shoe yeah. guys well yeah. of course all those the price of sale is based on ratings well the ratings of the show went up so high 
the price of each 30 second commercial went up too. And we ended up making a huge profit off the television show, which was an unanticipated consequence, by the way. That's awesome. Uh, but it worked really well for us. Nice. And it helped sell more product, obviously. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah, my friend, I, I think I think Josh owns like half that. the product. Yeah. I, I don't know if you can see behind me, this shelf is all Masters of the Universe. <laughs> yeah. uh, I'm currently oh, yeah, in the I middle of... see that. Yeah. I'm currently in the middle of like rebuilding it, which is why I have all the Skeletors, because Skeletor goes on the top shelf. Uh, and I, I didn't realize that it was in my backstrop for this episode. Otherwise, I would have had it done. Oh, <laughs> so no, I could show off cool. my toys. Yeah, that's yeah. He's great. like your, uh, he's like your highest shareholder, I think, of like massive. I, I would say so. Yeah. <laughs> well, Skeletor was my first best friend. You know, I, I hadn't seen the show. I just had the toy, and it was given to me, and it was just like, okay, we're going on every adventure every day together, and that's that's literally a bond that nothing could tear apart. Wow. I don't have that original figure anymore, but you know, I've got things like this that oh, my kids good. are not allowed to come in my room and touch. Um, <laughs> uh, I, I guess I mine are somewhere else right now. I, oh, because I did that that filming with the London film crews. I had took them all down. Mm. I had a bunch around here too. I took them down to my basement. I have a, I oh, have it's... something for you, Tom. What, what was your, mm -hmm. of all the toys you've helped make, is there a special one to you that you like that you, uh, that you like, that's, that's a favorite of yours oh, that you've wow. seen put out there. Like, I know it's a lot. We got Barbie and Regan, yeah, it's a, it's you know, a tough Master. one. Yeah. I met my wife because she was an actress in New York city. And during Toy Fair, we hired actresses to present uh, the product lines because they yeah. could do such a good job of it. Yeah, and that was during yeah. the day. And then in the evening, they'd go be, she went, in her case, she was in an off-Broadway production. But anyway, so she was presenting Superstar Barbie when we met. So I got us, I got kind of leaned toward that a little bit. <laughs> but in one. truth, I really love He-Man. Uh, oh, know, man. I, 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 he, was, <laughs> he was special to me. Have you had a chance oh. to see any of what Kevin uh, Smith had done with the Masters of the Universe Revelation show at all? No, I haven't. I haven't yeah. seen that. Yeah, yeah. I think it's <laughs> it's it's the fan base is kind of torn on whether they like it or not. I I personally enjoy it. As you like, like it. the original? I <laughs> I told Kevin Smith's friend to his face that I didn't like it. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> what know, did they do I, to it? Uh, uh -oh. He and Skeletor murder each other at the end of the first episode. Oh God! Yeah, yeah. <laughs> it's been around. And then long Orko ends up becoming uh, a, basically a junkie living on the street, trying to get a little bit extra magic. Oh, oh my yeah. God! Yeah, no, I don't like. Yeah, that. no, they do some really bad things to some characters that really meant a lot to me. I enjoyed it um, for that. I, I like. I like. Diff I like people's different take on things. That's just kind of me. But well, I really like what they did with Tila. Yeah, she she kind of leaves and goes off on her own. And becomes okay. her own woman, and really just is is kind of the best part of the show. Well, yeah. you probably um, remember at the end of the TV shows, we always had a, a positive moral message mm -hmm. on the TV yeah. shows we did. Yep, you did. I guess they aren't doing that anymore. <laughs> <No>. <laughs> <laughs> Not currently. <laughs> <laughs> so the Barbie movie, I gotta ask you about this man because this yeah. was a, this is huge. This is such a huge film. Uh, you know, I I went with my wife to go see it and. Uh, and, and damn it, I I did cry. I did. I didn't, I didn't anticipate that. Uh, I did anticipate that. Uh, you know, because you know, Barbie was not something that I was into, of course, like when I was younger. But yep. you know, to each their own. Um, how did it feel when you first found out about this being made into a movie? I mean, what was that for you? 
Well, I've known it. I've known it for a long time. Yeah. Um, and so I was very curious as to how they were going to deal with it. Mm-hmm. Uh, I thought the casting, uh, I mean, a couple of things. I thought the casting was really good with Margot Robbie and Ryan Gosling. Yeah. And I thought the filming, especially the first half of the movie, was absolutely beautiful. Yeah. Um, I thought they got a little bit carried away in the second half, kind of making the Mattel executives look foolish mm. and a little bit too much feminism <laughs> for me. Yeah. Uh, and then I the one thing I really disliked that most people never picked up on, they mention toward the end that Ruth Handler, creator of Barbie and co-founder of Mattel, yeah. uh, had IRS legal and SEC fraud issues and had had to leave the company, hmm. and I just didn't see any reason for that to be in the movie. You know, it didn't it didn't <laughs> add to the movie. I didn't think uh, it didn't yeah. add to the story at all. Yeah. And so that kind of offended me. Okay. And That's my, my yeah. yeah, my my good friend Joe Barad took Barbie Handler Barbara Handler to the movie, and that part of it really upset her as well. So mm-hmm. as being the daughter yeah. of Ruth Handler, you can yeah. understand why. No, that's that's completely understandable to feel that way from your perspective. I mean, mm-hmm. me, having having worked there, having known Ruth and had that personal connection with the, the that family, of course. Yeah, yeah. Well, the, course, the, was, the other uh, the other part of it yeah. was that Ruth at that time in the early seventies was going through breast cancer, which was mm. frankly like a sentence of death in those days. Yeah, mm-hmm. back then. And yeah. she yeah. so she had radical mastectomies and uh, she survived, thank God. Yeah. Uh, and she formed a new after she left Mattel, she formed a new company making artificial breasts for women who'd had cancer. And it was the highest quality prosthesis on the market and very oh, wow. successful called Nearly Me. So that never gets mentioned, of course. Uh, hmm. But she was she was very successful at that. Uh, and she's dead now, of course. And so is Elliot. Her husband oh. was a creative oh. genius. He was he would create products. He would create uh, paintings, sculptings, everything. He was a really brilliant, creative guy. And Ruth yeah. used to say, well, I can sell anything he can make. That's <laughs> <laughs> nice. good, good coupling yeah. right there. Yeah. Yeah. I, I, yeah. I definitely was curious because I remember when I went to see that, I was like, man, next time I have Tom on our show, I wanted to, I wanted to find out because I know the perspective is always different from people who were part of that when it was, you know, uh, yeah. when it was kind of like re- when you revived that and everything. So uh, let's not forget about the other thing you did. You did Leapfrog. And yes. um, let's talk about how how important was that to you? Because, uh, you know, to, to, to come out with, with products that were educational but yet fun for children and easy to use and, and easy for them to learn. Yeah, it was it was really important, and 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 by the way, the the beginnings of that thinking came out of Sega when we did the Pico Child's yep. first computer product. I remember that yeah. with the the books that fit on the the system and mm-hmm. and had a cartridge embedded in them, and yeah. uh, and and really were good at teaching kids to learn to read and to learn math. Yeah. And so when we did the Leap Pad, we had a, we had a different technology. We had um, an electronic current carrying ink underneath the plastic so when yeah. you put a book on top and then with a stylus and then a cartridge in the machine it knew where you were it knew what word you were trying to pronounce yeah. it knew what picture you were touching it That's could play cool. games with you on it uh and and by the way all of the curriculum we did was done out of stanford university here down the street from me 
And the, the dean of the School of Education had a huge part in creating a lot of the curriculum that we did on the leap pad. And he would tell us what we needed to do. What are the first things a four-year-old needs to learn in order to be able to learn to read eventually? And he would tell us what that was, and we would make it into, and then our job was to make that fun and interesting. Yeah. So we'd, we did that all the way through, you know, age sixth grade. And so um, Dr. Robert Kelfi was a big, big part of making LeapFrog successful. And we were the first really successful educational toy company. I mean, there were others that had been around, you know, creative playthings, child guidance, but none of them really were that successful. And, and LeapFrog, we got it up to about $680 million in, in revenue. Mm-hmm. And it was largely off of the combination of great curriculum and interesting technology. The LeapPad wasn't the only thing we did. I, I, and by the way, I hired Joe Miller from Sega to come over and help me in R&D. <laughs> and so one nice, day nice. I, I brought in a, a, a Sega Game Gear. And I said to the guys in R&D, I said, okay, let's do this only with educational software on it instead of just games. And they said, okay. They, I didn't mean them to do exactly that product. It looked exactly like Game Gear when it came when it came yeah. out, and that's one of the dangers when you're talking to R and D people. You got to be very precise. Uh, <laughs> For sure, that yeah. wasn't in that case, but it was also very successful, and so it didn't matter. Uh, and and then uh, we did stuff for the schools too. We did a school oh. division where we were selling products to the schools themselves to help teachers uh, deal with kids who were behind in math or behind in english and reading and what have you yeah, so it was exactly. a great it was a great experience the founder mike wood and i are still very good friends uh we like giants baseball although it wasn't so much fun this year but anyway uh, <laughs> still close to a lot of these guys. hey your 49ers are uh hopefully gonna do better right they're hot i'll be at the game <laughs> sunday <laughs> yeah yeah hopefully they can pay, uh, hopefully they can beat dallas i think i just made like five people i knew mad saying that um, <laughs> yeah. uh, <laughs> um so uh what are you up to now though what do you i know you i know you make appearances from time to time i know you said you went you had just been to the uh, new york toy fair what yeah. do you are, are, do you do you are you involved in anything currently at the moment oh yeah and and actually just a few days ago i was on a podcast with nolan bushnell you might remember that name oh yeah yeah and, and he's doing an educational game company now called exodexa Oh, and cool. so we, he and I were talking about education on that podcast. I don't know when it's coming out. Yeah. Uh, so I do stuff like that. And then I am on the, I'm on a bunch of boards. So I'm on the board of the university of Wisconsin school of business. I'm on the board of the strong national museum of play. Uh, I'm on the board of something called stitched insight, which is an AI company that hopefully will help businesses make better decisions mm-hmm. yeah. and i'm a i'm a minor partner at lsup louis venture capital so they only have me involved in education or toys or video games but anyway it keeps sure. me a little bit busy josh and bryce did you have any other questions you wanted to ask tom um what's what was the first toy or something that you remember playing that that inspired you to kind of create toys or do you have like something that when you were a child that you're like, or that you remember thinking back to like your first moment where you were like kind of wanting to, cool. yeah. Yeah. Well, actually I do. I'm back in my day when I was a little kid, we used to like make mud forts and uh, then we'd have, I had uh, 
gray soldiers, I think. And then my buddy next door had green soldiers and we would pretend to battle it out on our, on our forts in the backyard. Uh, And so those things I remember very clearly. And I liked that whole idea of, again, it's good versus evil. He was evil, obviously. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. You were he man. Absolutely. Right. That's right. They're only about this big though. (laughs) You know, right. Yeah. (laughs) Or plastic, I guess. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, you know, and, I, and I've seen a lot of the, the interviews and documentaries and stuff we're talking about how a lot of the stuff for He-Man was just repurposed. But uh, I was just, do you have any stories about how, how chaotic the days were of just trying to figure out what He-Man was going to be? Um, well, you, you're right. I mean, you know, when you're tooling up a new line like that, it's very risky mm-hmm. because it costs a lot of money to make the tool. Oh, yeah. And we yeah. we did do it with obviously new sculptings and new heads and new legs and new arms and mm-hmm. what have you, but like uh, Battle Cat was actually from the Big Jim line. He mm-hmm. was a panther in a jungle uh, uh, thing, <laughs> and I think mm-hmm. we had a jeep that was from that same line. So we're again trying to save some tooling money. Yeah, yeah. Castle Grayskull was certainly new and and never been seen before. Ooh. So that was a yeah. huge R and D and tooling project, particularly mm-hmm. in those in those days. So we, we took a lot too. of risks. We did try to reuse some things, but most of it was new. Yeah. I didn't I didn't actually think that much that much of it was new. That's great. I I don't know. It's kind of one of those things that's kind of like it telephones down the line and like everybody knows about, you know, the big gym cat. But you know, <laughs> it's like the bodies, it's like, oh well, what about the feet? Well, you didn't know there was different feet. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, well, the I collectors mean, know a lot more than I do, obviously. <laughs> <laughs> oh yeah. Has there any been? Have you have you been out? And, is there any like particular toys you see now that you've been fascinated by? Like I know you're not really in that much in industry anymore, but are there anything like you've seen recently that you're just like, whoa, that's really cool? Like I, <laughs> I, I hope that that does well. Like, is, like, is there anything you've seen recently? Well, it's kind of funny because I, I. I I couldn't see everything at New York Toy Fair. It's just too huge. And yeah, around the Javits yeah, Center is just too much. Mm-hmm. But I, you'll love this. I saw a, a product line called Gel Blasters. Okay. And yeah. Gel Blasters are little water starch balls, basically, pellets. Uh-huh. Yeah. And you load them in these guns and you shoot them at each other. And different than Nerf, Nerf doesn't hurt at all. The gel little balls actually sting a little bit, but not bad. Okay. And you can get shot in the eye and it won't hurt you because it's just water and starch. Wow. And yeah. to make it, you take the a bag full of this starch compound, you pour it in a bucket of water, you know, it expands a little bit, and then you load the gun up and you shoot. And they made targets like in laser tag where it 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 it, it knows when you're hitting it. And uh, I found that okay. to be kind of fun. Nice uh, shooting people around Toy Fair. Yeah, I'm looking at them right now <laughs> oh, online. Yeah. They look like they're a lot of fun. That's awesome, man. Oh That's yeah, great. it's it's definitely a lot of like the stuff that me and my friends used to play when we were kids. You know, because yeah. kids kids don't get to play outside as much anymore as we used to. Well, so anything that promotes company, that, I'm for. Yeah, the founders of this company are exactly to that point. They want to get kids outside, yes. running around, yes. playing, shooting each other. That's kind of harmless. And and they also they're talking about maybe I'm not supposed to talk about that, but they they want to incorporate uh, it into some video gameplay. So they're trying to figure out how to do that right now. Ooh, yeah, yeah. Okay. I tell you what, man. The the, the 
the toy and video game industries, man, like back then were just so such a stark contrast to how it is now. Like I mm. I just I remember being a kid and just like being engulfed and wanting just so much of everything. Like when I was a kid, like, you know, my mom, oh, yeah. um, you know, I I'm I'm sure I'm sure I bugged the hell out of her just wanting all kinds of stuff like from gaming and stuff like that. But I tell you what, I got my Sega the day it came out. My Sega Genesis <laughs> and my favorite game. I will say my favorite game outside of Sonic is uh, Aladdin on Sega Genesis. No, Aladdin like was a very good Aladdin, game. Yeah, I'm Aladdin. I'm a big Disney fan. And um, you guys did a really great job getting a lot of licensed Disney great. games. I really yeah. liked uh, Castle Sega's of Illusion was version, great too. Sega's version mm-hmm. of Jurassic Park. Yeah, you play as the Velociraptor and actually eat people. Compared yes. to the Super Nintendo version, it was yeah. like miles ahead. Yeah. I'll, I'll tell you one funny story on Aladdin. Mm-hmm. So, yeah, obviously we were developing it. It's a license from Disney, uh-huh. and we also had uh, Richard Branson's group in London, Virgin Games, mm-hmm. working yeah. on it too. Yeah. So it, that I don't remember if it was an E3 or a CES show. Um, they're they're coming in, and so is Jeffrey Katzenbaum, president of Disney, to see Aladdin. And uh-huh. you're going to have Branson there and Jeffrey Katzenberg. These are two big guys. Uh, and I've got a earphone on, and I can hear what's going on. But the game wasn't there. The game wasn't there yet. It was on an EEPROM, and it was in the developer, product manager's room in the hotel, and nobody could <laughs> wake him up. Or her, up, I should say. <laughs> and so people are pounding on. Finally, they get her up, and <laughs> we're now at Third and whatever street. And now we're coming to the entrance of the convention center. And meanwhile, on my other phone, I hear, "Well, Katzenberg's walking toward you now. You better divert him." So I go grab <laughs> Jeffrey, and I say, "Hey, let's go look at the EA booth first. And we walk <laughs> in the EA booth and look around. And he's getting ir- irritated with me, and he says, "I want to see Aladdin." Take me to your booth. So I walk over there, and Richard Branson's walking over there. And just then, uh, this gal comes in with the EEPROM, plugs it into the machine, literally as they're coming in front of the TV screen wow. to see it. It was that close. It sounds to like being a disaster. it sounds like a, a movie yeah. scene. Wow! And yeah. of course, it turned out it all to be in my head. Yeah. yeah. Oh yeah. I did. Yeah. Oh, it's it is a it is a phenomenal game and then and then right after that it's going to sound weird but Shaq Fu was another great game too on the Sega. Shaq I loved Fu. I loved There were some Fu. crazy great games though. Um yeah. My my favorite was was Altered Beast. And that's yeah. that's something that like was absolutely nuts. You've got the uh Centurion guys being risen from the dead so they can turn into the the werewolves and dragons to fight the, the hordes of game. hell. Such yeah. a great game. But then you had games like Toe Jam and Earl, uh, <laughs> or Boogerman. Toe know. Jam and Earl was a, a really great game. Very funny. By the oh, way, they're going to make a movie. They're going to make a movie out of it. Yeah, I heard oh, about that. Oh, really? Yeah. Wow. Yeah. Imagine hey, that. That's great. Yeah, that's fantastic. That's going to be great. But yeah, yeah Son- the Sonic Three movie is supposed to be out next year, early next year. So yeah. that's another movie deal. And yeah. then they're going to do a that. Streets of Rage movie. Yeah, I heard about what? that too. Yeah. No. Yeah. That's great. Okay. And the, Son- the Sonic movies were fantastic because, you know, video game uh, movies uh, don't tend to go over pretty well. <laughs> they like, broke the past, a bad no. streak. And, and yeah. I feel like this, when Sonic the Hedgehog came out, the first one, it, it ended that. I think that that such a, 
uh, a freaking amazing uh, video game movie. And the second one was was just mm-hmm. as good, if not maybe better than the. Yeah. Well, the, this is sort yeah. of my 12 or 24 months of movies because so we've had the, the Sonic movie, two and mm-hmm. three's coming out soon. Yeah. We've had the Barbie movie. Yep. We're going to have Toe Jam and Earl. We've got a Hot Wheels movie coming out. They're redoing a He-Man Masters of the Universe movie. Uh, oh, there you go. Streets of Streets of Rage, I mentioned. So there's like six things that I was involved in, and they're coming out as movies in the next uh, year. That's great. That's yeah. gonna be so surreal, you know, and just seeing how it, it took is. off and how it's still inspiring and yeah. big and part I, and of pop culture. And they're actually good when they come out. Yeah, thank yeah, God. Being done yeah. Yeah. well. And I'm sure for for you as, as you've over the years seen this, I bet nothing gives you more joy than just seeing how many, I guess you could say, lives that you've uh, touched. I guess in a way, yeah. which but it gave the joy yeah. rather you've given to those of us. I mean, you're talking to some of us who are. I know I, I turn forty next year. I know these guys are in their thirties, and I mm-hmm. mean, you have kids even now who are uh, even getting into Barbie and. Uh, yeah. Masters Universe and the uh, you know playing Sonic the Hedgehog and stuff like that. Like, what's mm-hmm. that like for you to just see like all the multiple generations? Just enjoying? yeah, it really makes me feel good, and I'm a little overwhelmed by it. This <laughs> film crew that was here from London <laughs> last week, the producer said, "You basically." You made everything that was part of my childhood growing up. <laughs> it was Hot Wheels, Matchbox, He-Man, yeah. Masters of the mm-hmm. Universe. My daughters are playing with Barbie. Uh, I love Sonic. So it was really, it was really kind of a, a nice thing for him, for him to say as the producer of that movie, or whatever well, it's going to be. Well, Tom, we certainly it's appreciate nice. you uh, for for taking the time once again. We're going to go ahead and wrap it up here. Okay. Uh, but thank you so very much, Tom, for joining us here on. This episode of the next level, which I will say, I've not said this to nobody. I wanted to wait until you got on here. That the name of our show is inspired by that ad, by the way. <laughs> one, one of the reasons. You Welcome know what I'm to the next level. See, there it is. There it is. That's right. We're going to use that audio clip forever now. Well, thank you, Tom. <laughs> uh, <laughs> you have to cut well, me thank out. You, Tom, so much for joining us here. And we super appreciate you. And thank you to all of our listeners and viewers for watching our show. We hope you enjoyed this episode. Uh, whether you're watching it on our YouTube channel or whether you're listening to it on multiple uh, places, whether it be Spotify, Apple Podcasts, and, and iHeartRadio and the other tons of places we're on. Pods. And uh, thank you guys yeah. so much for listening to us, and we'll see you guys on the next episode. Take it easy, guys. We'll see you. And I really enjoy talking with you guys, so thanks for yeah, Thank you so much, Tom. Yeah, thank you, Tom. Pleasure. Appreciate you.